the husbands are so excited. <laughs> and all the wives are afraid to let their husband know they are excited. Hey, give the youth a big hand as they make their way out today. Would you do that? Look at that great group. That is awesome. Fantastic. Awesome. We really are glad you're here today. Pastor Aaron mentioned a few moments ago, this is the Sunday before Valentine's Day. And I thought I, you know, we, we might as well go ahead and talk a little bit about love and marriage because all of you guys are all caught up in all the plans of what you're going to be doing the next couple of days, getting ready for Valentine's Day. Uh, and all the wives are laughing, saying, yeah, you don't know my husband. Um, but I just want to say thank you for being here today, everybody. If you're here for the first time at the bridge, we especially want to welcome you. If you've got any questions today, stop by the Connection Center out in the lobby. They can answer about any question you've got. Check out our website, thebridgechurch.tv, for other answers that you might need. We're really glad you're here today. Can we just welcome our first-time guests together? Thanks for joining us. Now, this morning, Ann and I are going to be opening our hearts and talking a, bit, a little bit about marriage and, and about love. Um, and I thought it might be good to just have a, a moment of levity because men get intimidated when you start talking about this stuff. But I thought maybe I'll let you help me choose a Valentine's Day card for my wife. So let me just walk you through a few. I'll need some cooperation from our cameraman to give you a little bit of what we're doing here. This first one has more of a middle-aged or older couple. She's sitting on the side of a hill in the meadow in the tall grass, and he's laying down just relaxing. And she says, so what do you want to do for Valentine's Day? And he says, I'm already doing it. <laughs> How many wives say, yeah, I know that one. I got that card before. Here's a good one. I'd be lost without you. Not to mention cold, hungry, dressed badly, inconsiderate, cranky, and smelly. Yeah. Here's another good one. An older couple sitting, posing for a picture, and he says, I think the day we met was the luckiest day of my life. And she says, me too. And he said, you think it was your luckiest day too? And she said, no, I think it was your luckiest day. <laughs> <laughs> Some of you guys have got that card before. Um, here's a good one. This, this really fits good. This is the kind probably, you know, that I might give my wife. It says, nobody gets me like you get me. There might be something wrong with you. <laughs> <laughs> then we turn the corner. Here's an old school. That guy's, that Cupid's really old. Got his bow and arrow and his flames, all that. It says, you are the hottest person I've ever known. That's a good one. Uh, I'm sorry, I should specify. You are the hottest person I've ever known that would actually date me. That's probably one you would use when you're dating, not after you're married. Anyway, how many of you know some people like to bring their pets into Valentine's Day? Does anybody here buy pet, buy pet gifts for your pets on Valentine's Day? No. I just want to make sure because I was going to have prayer line here before we got started. <laughs> but here's, here's one with pets. Here's Mr. Dog and Mrs. Dog and Mr. and Mrs. Dog are in their bedroom and you know, she's over in front of the dresser and he's laying down in the bed with a really weird look on his face. And Mrs. Dog says, just because you lie down doesn't mean you get a treat. <laughs> and you religious folks can laugh, laugh at that too, okay? I know. You, get, you can't wait to get in the car so you bust up laughing about that one. I know. 
Anyway, you, just because you lie down doesn't mean you get a treat, unless you're a very good boy. <laughs> and then this one, the last one, you got to get a good, see if you can get a close-up of this one. Looks like some of the offspring from The Simpsons or something. It says, a guy in his boxers, do you have your ticket, baby? Because the love train is about to pull out. Oh, yeah. I think you need to go shopping again. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, um, that's what love and marriage and Valentine's Day is really all about. Uh, so anyway. So we are going to be talking about love and marriage today. But if you're sitting here and you're thinking, well, I'm not married, so is this even going to apply to me? You know what? If you're not married, you might be married someday. But surely you know someone who is married. And we're just going to talk about some really practical things that will hit you if you're married or things that you might want to hold on to to share with a friend who is married down the road or for your future relationship down the road. But you know, first off, we just want to say that we believe there is no such thing as a perfect marriage because none of us are perfect. As long as we are alive in these human fleshly bodies, none of us are perfect. I'm really sorry if I'm breaking bad news to any of you. I hope I'm not bursting your bubble. But none of us are perfect. And if none of us are perfect, then that means that there's no such thing as a perfect wife, and there's no such thing as a perfect husband. Close. <laughs> and then it stands to reason that there is no such thing as a perfect marriage. So you can all just take a deep breath. We're not here today to give you a formula how to have the perfect marriage. But we do believe that God wants marriage to be wonderful. God created marriage. It's his intention. And we believe he wants marriage to be wonderful and healthy and thriving and full of joy. You know, when I was a young preacher first starting in the ministry, I went to a couple of marriage seminars. And I got to tell you, I left so deflated, so defeated. I left feeling like you are a stupid idiot. They talked about 75 things and you're only getting three of those things right. And honestly, I felt so bad. It's like, I will never go to one of these things again. You know what I learned later on? Most men feel that way. Because it's like, okay, do these 75 things, you have a perfect marriage. There is no th such thing as a perfect right. marriage. But I believe most marriages, most marriages are pretty good marriages. And they need a little bit of tweaking, just a little bit of fixing this and a little bit of working on that to make marriage really, really, really good. Because what is marriage? What is marriage? From Scripture, from the very beginning, marriage in God's eyes is a man and a woman, a husband and a wife, coming together, joining their lives so that two people become one flesh and they learn how to navigate through life together and navigate the great decisions of life in agreement. Two people becoming one flesh. And as you look at Scripture, what you learn about marriage is marriage is about relationships. It's not about rules and regulations. It's about relationship. And as I begin to study Scripture through the years about marriage, the Bible doesn't say a lot. It doesn't write volumes. Of, I don't know how these guys write 74 chapters on marriage because you know, it's not all in Scripture. They're reading between the lines, and I don't mean to deflate anybody. Those of you who want to read all 74 chapters, great. Read the preface in the, in the last chapter, and you usually kind of get a feeling for what's going on. <laughs> the ladies will read the other 72 chapters, okay? <laughs> but but here, here's the point. What I want you to understand, marriage is about 
relationship. And Scripture gives us a skeleton and says, okay, here's some guidelines. Now you figure out the rest of it. Every marriage is going to be different. They're not going to be just alike because they're different people in those relationships. But we can all have a good, happy, long-lasting marriage filled with joy. Right. And, you know, marriage is God's idea. And Scripture tells us that it's His intent that our marriages on the earth would be a reflection of the relationship between Christ and His church. And so it stands to reason that the enemy doesn't want that. And so he's after our marriages. So we've got to be willing to protect and guard our marriages. You know, John 10, 10, it says the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. That includes our marriages. The enemy is after our marriages. Yep. But we as believers need to be the ones who will rise up and refuse to give him any room to get into and destroy our marriages. And um, we can be that reflection when we allow God to be part of our marriage union. That's right, because Jesus said, just as the enemy wants to destroy, I want to pour life Absolutely. into your life, and especially today into your marriage. So the next few minutes, we're going to talk about five aspects of marriage, not the only five, but five important aspects of marriage that can really add joy or can hinder the joy that you have in your relationship. Right, and so the first one that we want to talk about is your view of your spouse. So think about how you viewed your spouse when you were dating, before you were married. You thought they were pretty wonderful, didn't you? <laughs> we, as we were dating, we saw all of their strengths and focused on their strengths and how wonderful they were and how amazing and how amazing marriage was going to be. But we really focused on their strengths in that season of our relationship, didn't we? Yep. And then we get married and down the road a little bit, we realize, oh, every strength has a weakness associated with it. And then our focus starts to shift from the strength to the weakness. For example, maybe you're a quieter person and you were attracted to someone who was the life of the party, super outgoing, always having fun. And then after a while of marriage, you're thinking, why are you always having fun? We have responsibilities to take care of, <laughs> you know? And so our focus can shift from the strength to the negative. And we can zoom in on that negative and want to change that negative quality. You need to stop having fun. We need to take care of responsibilities. But if we are trying to change a, a weakness, a negative uh, perspective, then what we're doing is trying to change the very thing that we fell in love with. We don't want to change the thing we fell in love with. So we need to choose to appreciate the strengths, focus on our spouse's strengths. Yeah, and I think sometimes what we do in, in marriage, after a period of time, you know, things begin to settle in. I think sometimes we become a little more self-centered. We begin to think about my needs and my wants. And, you know, at first in marriage, you know, in the dating, in the first part of marriage, it's like, wow, you know, I had this amazing new thing that brings life to me. But as time goes by, as Anne said, we start thinking about, well, but there's this weakness and there's that weakness. And we start focusing on those things because we become selfish. What do I want? We have to always remember my partner marriage is not just receiving what I need, but it's giving that other person what they need. Right. If we get rid of that self-centeredness, it pulls love 
and marriage back into proper focus. And as we go through each of these five things this morning, we want to give you some food for thought, some questions to ask yourself about each one that you can think about and maybe even talk about later. But regarding your view of your spouse, I want you to ask yourself, what is my view of my spouse now compared to when we first got married? Okay? And then ask yourself, is my view of my spouse now adding joy to our relationship or is it hindering the joy in our relationship? Then the second thing we want to talk about, and, and this will be brief, but I think you, you don't have to say a lot with this to really hit home. The second thing is simple time management. Time management. One of the things that I see over and over and over dealing with people living in this area where we live is people are busy. You know, you, you think of wine country and you think of this area and you think, oh, it's so much nicer to live here because it's so busy in San Diego and it's so busy in Orange County and L.A. County. I like this smaller community. But the truth of the matter is most of us are driving to work several miles to our job, driving to San Diego or driving to Orange County, Riverside, different areas. And by the time you fight the freeway back and forth, you're putting in 10, 11, 12-hour days, sometimes more. And as a result, we're so busy when we get home, you know, we're exhausted. And I know moms and dads are both working husbands and wives. And then you get home and the kids have got, got to be involved in playing ball. So you've got practice or games six and seven days a week. And then you've got the daughters or sometimes the sons too involved in theater and involved in dance. And you've got to be there for rehearsals. And by the time you get finished, we have no time for each other. But beyond that, one of the problems we also see some people are so busy, they don't have time for themselves. And husbands and wives need to talk regularly about the schedules. And you need to lay out your priorities. First priority is marriage. Second priority becomes the family. And then other things fall in line behind that. But we've got to get our life priorities laid out in such a way and regularly go back and look and say, are we covering these things? Because everybody, along with taking care of everybody else, we also need to have our space. For me, my private time as a rule is playing golf with my buddies, playing golf with pastor friends, with guys in the church. I love to get out and play golf because... When I play golf, I concentrate on that little white ball and getting it in that slightly larger hole over there, and I don't think about anything else. I laugh, I cut up, I have fun, I forget church, I forget my wife actually for five hours, I turn my phone off, and I just have a great time getting lost in my nothing world because I need that. Yeah, we all need that. It's so important that we carve out time not just for each other, but for ourselves too. And you know, one thing that I hear very frequently from young moms who have decided to stay home raising their children is that when their husbands come home, they're, they're about to pull their hair out from all day being with little ones and they want to throw the kids at their husband and then they want to be able to carve out time for themselves to get out and, and clear their head or spend time with a girlfriend and then they want to make sure they get time together as a date night and that kind of thing. But very often they don't stop to think that their husband needs his alone time too because when he's at work, that's not alone time. Guys, is it? <laughs> hey, we're trying to help you guys. You better speak up now, okay? 
It's so important that we both individually have that time. Doing the things that fuel us and add joy to our lives individually. Because then if we're doing that and taking care of ourselves and making sure that we are happy in and of ourselves, then we are going to be such a better spouse for our husband or wife. It's so important that we carve out that time for ourselves, but also time for each other. And I hear a lot of couples say too, well, we don't have any family in this area. We don't have anyone to leave our kids with. We can't do a date night. Can I just tell you that is one of the many great reasons to be part of a church community, to be part of a connect group, to build relationships with other people in the same season of life. And then you can start uh, trading off kids and uh, having date nights and that sort of thing. There are ways to make it happen. Get together with your spouse. Brainstorm on ways that you can do it because you need it. It's vital to our relationships. So I think this morning, closing out this point, we need to ask ourselves, does my schedule or our schedule, does it add joy to our marriage or is it hindering the joy that God wants us to have in the marriage? You know, we might have to have some conversations about this. Talk about what adjustments need to be made in order for your schedule to bring more joy. And, you know, throughout this morning, most of the things we're going to talk about are minor adjustments. Right. It's not about changing everything. It's about the two of you working out the adjustments in your schedules that bring joy to each other. Yeah. And the third thing we want to talk about is the atmosphere of your marriage. Now, when Gary and I were dating, we had such a great appreciation for each other. We were just so grateful for each other. And when we went to get married, we decided that we never wanted to lose that sense of appreciation. We never wanted to start taking each other for granted. So we very intentionally set out to continue that appreciation, to cultivate an atmosphere of continual appreciation in our relationship. And so we just uh, very purposefully started appreciating everything that the other one did, whether it was taking out the trash or unloading the dishwasher or whatever it was, just always expressing appreciation to each other. And I've got to tell you, that has done so much. That has just created such a wonderful atmosphere in our relationship. And it's really set up guardrails to prevent us from taking on an atmosphere of negativity, of complaining, of critical attitudes. And I want to tell you, no matter what the current atmosphere of your relationship is, it is never too late to change it. And it's good to stop and think about what you want the atmosphere of your marriage to be, and then talk about it and come up with ways that you can start being intentional about creating the atmosphere you want. Yeah, and it's amazing how just a thank you, a heartfelt thank you and just a little bit of affirmation and praise, it's amazing how it can change not just the, at, the atmosphere at the moment, but it begins to change the atmosphere in people's hearts. Yeah. And we need to learn to be people who express our appreciation to one another. Uh, just a little side note, I, I have a dear friend who's in ministry, and he's one of my closest friends. But years, you know, he's been married for many years. He told me, he said, one day I was praying he said, I was praying for my wife and saying, God, I know we've been married several years. We've got a great marriage, but Lord, what can I do to be a better husband? You know, when you pray that prayer, God will answer it fast. I promise you. So he says, God, what can I do? And the Lord spoke to him so clearly and said, 
you need to start honoring your wife. You need to get out of bed in the morning and fix coffee for her. And he's like, "Eh, she makes the coffee. I don't need to do that. And the Lord said, you need to get out of bed every morning and fix coffee for her. He said, I started doing that. And it's amazing, that little step of appreciation, that little expression, how much difference it made in the atmosphere of our marriage. So just ask God, what little thing can I do to help change the atmosphere in our marriage? So a couple questions we want to give you that you can ask yourselves about this is just ask yourself, what is the current atmosphere of our marriage? Is it one that brings joy or is it one that is hindering joy in our marriage? And then ask yourself what you want the atmosphere of your marriage to be. And then find some time later today or this week to carve out time to talk about that together and talk about how you can start taking some steps to be intentional about creating the atmosphere you want. Now, the the fourth area we're going to talk about in in these next two areas, these last two areas, we're going to spend just a little bit more time with these because they're they're so vitally important. And I think one thing that is maybe the the greatest challenge in marriage between a, a man and a woman, a husband and a wife is communication. It's really quiet in here today. Remember, this is the church where you don't have to say amen, but you can be a bobblehead. It's okay to do this, okay? <laughs> Nobody will hear your head rattling. It's all right. Uh, but but here, here, here's the thing about communication. Communication really does have the ability to bring peace and joy to a marriage. Or poor communication has the ability to create a lot of frustration and hinder the joy that God intended for us to have in marriage. That's right. Sometimes we hear couples talk to each other in a way that I don't think they would even talk to a stranger. Sometimes we can be really harsh with the one we love the most. And when that is our style of communication, then we're breeding hostility in our relationship rather than joy. Or in some relationships, one person is holding on to a lot of anger and they're like a ticking time bomb. And the other spouse is just wondering, when are they going to explode? It could be any minute. They're on pins and needles all the time. You know, that kind of communication really breeds insecurity in a relationship rather than joy. And sometimes in some relationships, there's really hardly any communication because people are so absorbed in their own life and their individual things that they have going on. And if that's our style of communication, we're breeding indifference rather than joy. Our communication is so powerful, and it can breed negative things, or it can breed positive things and breed joy in our relationship. Yeah. And let me give you three things to think about when we talk about communication. These are real quickly. Number one, we, learn, we need to learn how to differentiate between little things and big things. You know, a lot of people... Little things become arguments. Did you know there's no reason about arguing over little things? Some people have a struggle with that. Well, everything's a big thing. We need to learn to have big discussions about big things and little discussions about little things. Don't let little bitty things become major things. So in our communication time, every conversation needs to be a little different. It is at work. It is with friends. It needs to be in marriage. It's not like, well, it's this ongoing thing that's just... Ah, 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 ah. We need to stop that. We need to be intentional about saying, you know what, this is a little thing. Let's make it a little thing. But this is a bigger issue. So let's make this a little bigger issue. A second thing about communication, we need to learn to have honest, open communication 
where there's transparency between each other and there's accountability involved where we don't hide the truth from one another. One of the things that makes communication difficult is when we're not honest. Now, let me give you a verse of Scripture that goes along with this. Scripture says we need to learn how to speak the truth in love. Some people, that means, will tell the truth and they need to learn how to take it with love. Well, you can beat your spouse to death doing that. That's not the answer. No. What that scripture is telling us is it, it becomes my responsibility, even in a serious conversation, it becomes my responsibility as a husband or a, her responsibility as a wife to find loving words that express what I'm trying to say, words that will help her receive what I'm trying to tell her. We need to learn to have that kind of open, honest, love filled communication and then the third thing and this is so important for husbands and wives to grasp husbands and wives men and women tend to communicate very differently because as a rule now i know there are differences and there's some couples who are even wired a little bit backwardsly here but but here's the thing or backwardly according to the norm but here's the thing most men tell you what they think that's why it doesn't take a man long to say something he doesn't have a whole lot going on between the ears you know it's just like this is all i got this is all that's it men tell you what they think but you see women's brains are much more attached to their emotions as a rule so women tend to tell you what they feel and so you get into a heavy conversation or important conversation, and I'm telling you in about 30 words, bam, this is how it is. And then she needs about 30 minutes to tell me what she's feeling. <laughs> and ladies, I'm going to tell you something. Men are horrible as a rule with details. Men are horrible with details. It wears us out. Somebody asked us the other day, Did, when was the last time you had an argument? It was this week when we are putting these notes together. <laughs> because we had to talk about this stuff. And I'm like, okay, we'll do this. And the rope is tied. I'm ready to move forward. Well, nobody need to talk about this. I just talked about this. I told you. Yeah, but you missed. And then, and then we're sitting there watching TV. No, you were watching. I was watching TV. <laughs> and she, she says, when are we going to go? She's real serious. When are we going to go over the rest of those notes? And I'm like, dude, it, it's the important part of this show. I'm trying to, later, okay, later. We'll do it later. And I hurt her feelings. <laughs> but I made it, you know, I apologized and she accepted. Actually, I apologized like seven times. And, and she, she eventually, how many, how many men and women are hearing what we're talking about this morning? Men tend to, tend to tell you what they think. Women tend to tell you what they feel. And sometimes our hearts don't connect. We have to learn men to be patient and listen. And women, you have to understand, even though he says it quickly, there's a whole lot there. He gave you the headline. So in the conversation, let's get to the fine print and sort all of this out. It's true. <laughs> and timing is really important, too. Like that was bad timing when he was watching this television show. Absolutely. This movie. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, Sometimes it's the amount of words that could be cut down. Sometimes it's the timing that can be a little bit different. But God can help us to navigate those things so that communication can really be something that adds joy to our relationship rather than conflict. And, you know, <laughs> the truth is sometimes, you know, to have a good marriage, you have to have some real serious conversations sometimes. And we don't always see things 
the same. We have to find middle ground. We have to sometimes make some adjustments. We have to sometimes compromise a little here. I don't get exactly what I want. She doesn't get everything she wants, but we find middle ground that works for the two of us where we can operate as one flesh. But I'm going to tell you something. I'm going to tell you a secret. Guys, are you listening closely? When you get finished with one of those heavy conversations, your wife just wants to be loved. And those feelings, she wants to know that you feel what she's feeling. <laughs> and you need to have those conversations because that kind of communication leads to sex. Let me tell you. <laughs> I know. Some old guy just fell off his chair. Helen, did you hear what he said? God in heaven help us. So let me, <laughs> let me ask a couple questions. Communication. Am I listening? Ask yourself, am I listening? Am I hearing? Am I really understanding? Are we understanding each other? Is our communication bringing frustration, peace? Is it adding joy? If, if it's not working well, sit down and work on it, okay? Drop your guard, sit down and have some good, honest, heartfelt conversation. Yes. And the last thing we want to talk about are expectations. You know, expectations play a huge part in our relationships. And expectations, if they are unrealistic, can bring um, a lot of frustration into our relationships. However, realistic, healthy expectations can bring so much joy into our relationships. But you know, most often, we come into marriage with this box of expectations on the inside of us that we're so excited about because these are the things that our spouse is going to fulfill for us. But very often we don't even fully recognize what those things are. They're things that we've picked up along the way. Maybe things that we grew up with, things we saw in our parents' relationship or things that we saw in others around us. And we don't always realize what our expectations are, and we very seldom even communicate about what our expectations are. Yep. And so people come into marriage with so many different things in their box of expectations. And so, you know, for me growing up, my dad made me a hot breakfast. Every morning I can remember. He cooked eggs for me every morning. So I could come into marriage with the expectation that my husband is going to cook me eggs every morning. <laughs> a little bacon would be nice too. Is that a reasonable expectation? Well, how many guys know we can cook eggs in such a way she will never want us to cook eggs again, <laughs> right? Yeah, that's not exactly a realistic expectation. And, you know, guys, sometimes we have unfair, unrealistic expectations. You know, my mom was a great cook. So, honey, I gave, here's my mom's cookbook with all her recipes. You need to learn to cook just like my mother. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> so we know about that one. <laughs> so sometimes we carry things that aren't realistic. Or maybe you grew up in a home where you were able to purchase everything you wanted and you come into marriage thinking, oh, this is going to be awesome. We're going to be able to buy everything we want. And if we don't have the cash, it doesn't matter because we can always use plastic. Yeah. And guys, you know, maybe you came from a background that says, I have the answer to the plastic. <laughs> Let me have it and I'll take care of that right here. We're not spending any money. It becomes a conflict because we've not discussed what our expectations are. Right. 
Or sometimes women might think, oh, my husband, he's just going to love me. And, and he's, he doesn't really care what I look like. He's just going to want me to be comfortable and relaxed all the time, whether I wear old grubby sweats or a moo-moo or, you know, just like flannel pajamas all the time. No big deal. No big right? deal. Yeah, but you need to talk about these things because some of us kind of like this, you know. <laughs> That's better than flannel pajamas any day, you know. Come on, somebody. <laughs> yeah, I like it. Hey, we, we must have had we must have had a bunch of religious people first service. They didn't like it as much as you do. <laughs> and many women come in with high expectations of romance and you know, I've got this rose in my box to symbolize romance because I come into marriage thinking, oh. She loves romance. She loves it. I do. And, you know, thinking, oh, it's going to be wonderful. My husband's going to buy me flowers all the time just for no reason. I can't wait. And then, you know, not only does it symbolize that he'll buy me flowers, but I just know I'm going to come home and there's going to be a trail of petals. Right, ladies? Leading, you know, upstairs and there's going to be candles. And then he, he's going to figure out a way to get up on the roof and put out all these twinkle lights and candles and have a little table set for two. And we're going to have this romantic dinner and there'll be live music and it'll just be so amazing, right? Yeah. I mean, men love romance too. You know, we like romance right here. You know, <laughs> but I, I got to be honest, this doesn't really fit me anymore. <laughs> but you know, ladies, sometimes... We're having fun today, aren't we? <laughs> Marriage is fun, isn't it? It is. It's wonderful. But sometimes we can come into our relationship with unrealistic expectations. And ladies, when it comes to romance, a lot of times we do have unrealistic expectations because we watch too many chick flicks, which I love, and uh, we want our spouse to be the Mr. Romance from the movies. But you know what? We have to realize that Mr. Romance in the movies did not write his script. He is not saying that from his heart. He did not set the stage. He did not lay the petals. He did not light those candles. It was probably a woman on the set who did all of that for him. <laughs> and so we need to cut our husbands a little bit of slack. And yes, we can have romance in marriage. And yes, they can learn things that we like. And yes, we can also be the ones to take initiative. And if we like candles lit, we can light the candles too. He'll like that, right? <laughs> but we just need to have realistic expectations. That's right. That's right. <laughs> <coughs> All right. One last area of expectations that we want to talk about that is really a big thing in Christian marriages is that so many Christian women come into marriage with huge expectations of our husband's role as a spiritual leader in the home. And so we think that, oh, well, if they're supposed to be a spiritual leader in the home, then that means that they're going to 
wake us up in the morning and have our coffee for us and we're going to just snuggle up on the couch and he's going to get a good devotional and he's going to read from the devotional and then he's going to pray for me and pray for us as a couple and for our day and it's just going to be so wonderful. Yeah. Right? Yeah. A lot of women have that expectation. You're right. <laughs> but men are like, yeah, I'll yeah, I want us to have a godly marriage. Sure. So I got you this book called The Power of a Praying Wife. Why don't you read that and we'll both be happy. But you know what I, you know what I found out? You know, I'm, I'm the headlines. I say it fast. It's over with. And it's very much detailed. We work well together because of that. But one of the things that you also find in our relationship is I can pray for every nation and every church on the face of the earth in about nine minutes. And it takes her nine minutes just to pray about me. I mean, it's amazing. She can find things to say in prayer that I would never have thought of in a, in a thousand lifetimes because God has wired her that way. But one of the things she's learned is we do relationships differently with our friends and we do relationship with God differently. And she's learned as time goes by, let me work out my relationship with God. She works out her relationship with God. And then we do pray together over serious things. And, but we're always having to talk about those expectations because it's an important part of a Christian marriage. Yeah, ladies, the Bible doesn't spell out that for your husband to be a spiritual leader, it means he needs to do A, B, C. No, we need to let him work that out so that we have realistic expectations. And we want to give you just a couple of questions to think about and to ask yourselves regarding expectations. Because when we have unmet expectations, we find ourselves disappointed and frustrated. And we need to realize that our job is not to have our spouse become just like us, to, to become exactly what we think they should be. We need to give them room to be the person God created them to be and have realistic expectations in that. So ask yourself, what are my expectations? Start identifying them because sometimes we carry them with us. We find ourselves disappointed without even stopping to realize what it is that we're expecting. Identify your expectations and then ask yourself, where did these expectations come from? And then talk about your expectations together to come to agreement together on healthy, reasonable expectations within the marriage. And sometimes when we talk about this together, one of the things that Ann says, and she didn't say it this morning, I don't think, but... Don't try to be the Holy Spirit yeah. to your spouse. Right. <laughs> if you think they're coming up short, pray for them. Yes. Pray for them and make sure you're filling your role and let God work on their heart. Now, this morning, in, in conclusion, before we're finished, I want to read some verses of Scripture. We've got just enough time to do this out of Ephesians 5. If you've got a Bible, you might want to turn there. I mentioned earlier, Scripture doesn't give us a lot of information about marriage, but it gives us a skeletal outline. And I want to show you something here in Ephesians 5 that I think is very, very important. You know, generally, when you read verses out of the Bible on marriage, we tend to take those verses and use it on our spouse. Well, the Bible says you're supposed to do this. Well, the Bible says you're supposed to do this. This week, as, as I was preparing early one morning before Anne was even up, I was alone with God just looking at these verses, and the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, you know what you need to do? You need to take these verses that apply to husbands 
and you need to pray them over your life. You need to pray them over your life. Now, I want to walk you through these verses, and I want you to read these verses with me. Ephesians 5 begins at verse number 22, and we're, we're going to skip a couple of verses. But let's read these verses together because I want to make some comments here. It says, wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. Next verse. For the husband is the head of the wife, as also Christ is the head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. Verse 24. Therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Now look at verse 25, because it shifts here. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her. The Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, you need to start loving your wife the way Jesus loves the church. Look at the next verse. That, the, that, that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word, verse 27, that he might present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. Now go ahead and go to the next verse. So husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. Now pause here for just a moment. In these verses, there's this thing that happens that tends to bring conflict to a lot of people's minds. Men, please hear me today. God has given us the responsibility to be the guard, the head over our marriage. What does a head do for the body? It guards, it watches out, it sends responses. Most of the senses are in the head. It guards and protects the rest of the body. And in creation, you know, God took a rib from Adam's side so his wife could dwell right there under his arm of protection, right there at his side, so they could do life together as one flesh. God did not give us the responsibility of standing on top of our wives and pushing them down. What he said was, we're supposed to love our wives the way that Christ loved the church so that she can become everything God created her to be and be at our side. And the two of us become one flesh and keep adding to each other. But then he said to wives, you have to learn to submit to this. Now listen closely. In our society today, this is, this, that word submit is a big word to swallow because we're kind of getting to the place where we don't want to submit to anybody. But here's the thing. In the original writings... The word submit comes from two words, two combined words, and it means to come into subjection or put yourself under an orderly arrangement. What it means is husbands are responsible to go to their wives and love their wives and work with them to develop a relationship. And every marriage is different to a relationship that works for both of them, it brings an orderly arrangement to their home, to their family, to their relationship, and both of them can thrive and flourish in that relationship. And then it goes on to say this. There's another verse. Look at verse 33. Paul sums it up and says, Nevertheless, let each one of you, speaking of husbands, let each one of you husbands in particular so love his own wife as himself. In other words, she's got to come first. You can't put your desires first. Love your wife the way you love yourself and let the wife see that she respects her husband. I've learned through the years, if I will love Anne and help her flourish, that she will just pour out her life helping me be a happy man. And wives, 
If you will respect your husband, let him know, I appreciate all that you do, and I'm working with you. He will run himself into the ground trying to make you a happy woman. And there's a balance to all of that. In closing today, we want to pray for you. And I'm going to have Ann pray over families in just a moment. But before we do, maybe you're here today and you know, maybe your life's not fully committed to God. Maybe you've never committed your life or maybe you've just been on the run and you've gotten away from God and you know, things aren't where they need to be. And you're thinking, man, you know, my marriage needs work. I need work. But I don't even know where to begin. Can I tell you something? When God is in your life... God will get involved in your marriage and he'll help you. You don't have to try to handle it all by yourself. God doesn't want you to navigate, navigate life all alone. He doesn't want you to navigate marriage and relationships all alone. He wants to be involved in your home and your marriage and in your life. But maybe you've never invited him in. Maybe you've never opened your heart and just prayed that prayer and communicated and said, God, I need you. I want to give you a chance today to do that. And I'm going to lead you in a prayer. And I'm going to ask everybody in the building to pray this simple prayer with me. If you want to just close your eyes, if you want to bow your head, you can. But everybody, please, just you don't have to scream this prayer, but just pray it out loud. Say, God, I need you. And I open my heart to you. Please come into my life and change me from the inside out. Teach me your ways so I can follow you. I want your blessing in my life. I believe Jesus is the Son of God who died for my sins, was raised from the dead. I put my faith in Jesus. From this moment forward, you are my Father and I am your child. Thank you for receiving me. Amen. 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 And if you would, go ahead and just pray for our families. You know, we've touched on a lot of things today. Whatever's going on in your heart for your marriage, just join her in this prayer right now, okay? I want to ask, if you're sitting next to your spouse, just grab their hand. Let's just pray for our marriages together. Father, right now we come to you, and God, we just pray for every marriage represented in this place today, every marriage represented of those watching online. And Father, we bring our marriages to you. We submit them to you. And Father, we ask that you would help us to have the kind of marriage that you intended us to have. A marriage that is full of life, that's full of, of health and joy and peace. A marriage that's a reflection of your marriage between Christ and the church, that relationship, God. May we reflect that type of relationship in our marriages. So, Father, I pray that you'd help each one of us, wives and husbands alike, help us to take responsibility for our part. Not to point the finger at the other, but to look inside and take responsibility for our part and what we can do where we need to make little adjustments here or there to bring greater joy into our marriages, to bring greater joy into the way we communicate, into the atmosphere we cultivate in our relationships, to, into our view of our spouse, into the way we manage time, into how, what our expectations are. God, help us to make any adjustments we need to make, God. And Father, I just pray that for those who are carrying maybe hurt from the past, Maybe there's wounds that are 
are still aching, God, I am asking right now that you would pour in your healing power. God, bring supernatural healing into hearts. And God, I just pray that where there are things of the past that we've been holding on to, that your spirit would just tug on our hearts and show us today is the day to let go, to not carry that thing any longer, but to let go and leave it in the past. God, I pray that each one of us as husbands and wives, that we would draw closer to you individually. And as a result, we would draw closer to each other, that our hearts would soften towards you and soften towards each other. God, that you would just do all that you want to do in our relationships. Father, I pray that our marriages would be full of your strength, would be full of your life. God, that you would just infuse your fullness into our relationships. God, that our relationships truly would be healthy, thriving, and bring glory to you, God, in Jesus' name. Everybody say amen to that this morning. Now, maybe you're here today and you prayed that prayer a couple minutes ago and you committed your life to the Lord, or maybe you've just been on the run and you've kind of been away from God, but you've recommitted your heart today. We want to give you a simple little booklet. It's a little tool called The Next Seven Days. I promise you, it's just simple reading for the next week that will help you start building that relationship with God. I assure you, this will really help the way you see God and understand what He wants to do in your life. We want to give this to you. So when service is over today, we'll have prayer teams here at the front of the building. They're here to pray with anyone for any need. If you just come down here to the front of the building and just say, hey, can I get one of these booklets? They'll give it to you. No strings attached. If you want to visit, great. If you want prayer for something, they'll pray with you. If you just want to get it and go, that's great. They'll give it to you here. Or if you're in a big rush, you can go to the Connection Center out in the lobby and ask for the booklet there the next seven days. If you forget the name, they'll know what you're looking for. We want to give this to you and help you get started walking with God, okay? Can we just give a welcome to those who might be joining God's family today? Welcome to the family. And now, this morning, this is the time in service where we give back to God and we worship God with our giving. You know, there are many different ways you can give. It's on the screen this morning. But I just want to say today, this week, I've, I've spent a lot of time thinking about how amazing it is to be a part of a church that's making a difference in our community, through community care, through our services, through small groups, through ministry. So, so many things we're involved in but to also realize the impact we're making around the world. I'm excited to be a part of this church. And I want you to know, even things like we did today, it's, we can do all these things because people give and they give back to God. You're not giving to me and to Anne, to our vision, giving to God and His work. So I want to say thank you for your giving. God bless you. As the ushers come, we give back to God. Let's watch church news together. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to The Bridge. My name is Ashley, and I want to welcome you and say thanks so much for being in church with us today. You might not know it, but today is a very special Sunday. Today is the first Sunday of the year without football. That means you have officially lost your excuse to not be with us in church on Sunday morning. We expect to see you every Sunday from now until September. But seriously, we really are grateful that you're here today and we hope that you'll get connected and be a part of everything that's happening in the church. Here's a look at what's coming up. Come. 
Are you new to the bridge? Have you been sitting on the sidelines and you want to find out how you can get involved? Well, we invite you to come to Connecting Point. Connecting Point is the place to meet our team, hear our vision, and find out where you fit in. It's happening tonight at 6 p.m. here at the church, and childcare is provided for all kids, infant through fifth grade. Just sign up at the Connection Center before you go today. We look forward to hosting you and your family tonight and helping you find your place here at the bridge. If you're a guest with us today, we would love to meet you and help you find home here at the bridge. Stop by the Connection Center before you go and say hi. Our team would love to meet you and tell you more about everything that's coming up in our church. We also want to invite you to come to Connecting Point tonight at 630 child care is provided, just be sure to sign up at the Connection Center so that we can plan for you and your family. And if you made a decision to follow Jesus today, you can also grab a free copy of the next seven days at the Connection Center. We want to help you get started on your journey of faith. If you want to stay connected, be sure to check out our website, thebridgechurch.tv, for more details about everything that's coming up. We look forward to connecting with you. Right. Once again, thank you for being in church today. Did you enjoy teaching on marriage today? Just some simple things from the heart. Hope you've enjoyed it. Uh, as you go today, don't forget, connecting point tonight at 6 o'clock. You know, actually, I was thinking a second ago, this teaching must have been good. I saw several couples heading for the door. They, they were in a hurry. They couldn't wait to get home. So it, it must have really been good. Uh, but, but tonight, connecting point, if you've not gotten connected at the bridge, if you, you know, it's kind of like, well, yeah, we like it, it's home, but we have some questions or we're kind of ready to get involved. We want you to be here tonight. We want to meet you. We want to share what the bridge is all about. We want you to see the bridge and then be the bridge, okay? So join us tonight at 6 o'clock. And then finally, Tuesday morning, Chick Connection, we need several men who can just slip over into the youth side of the building over there and help us set up the tables real quickly. We can do it real fast with several of you guys. Hey, we love you and appreciate you. Have a great day. Girl.